weeks ago knowing that I was ending master class, then wanting to just really sink my heart into these coming vision casting messages, I said, Kelly, the, the Sunday in between, would you just bring a message that I know God will use you to tie it all together from where we've been, where we're going. I've watched her over the weeks press in in prayer and into God's word. And God has really built a word in her heart. It's a message. And I know you're going to engage with it and just receive what the Lord wants to say to you through her. Kelly, I love you. You're such a gift to me and to our church. Would you help me bring Kelly Woods to the platform today? So much. What a joy to be here today and to be able to bring the word to you. It's great to see you. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. Great to see you. The Lord has given me a word that I've entitled The Power of a Worshiping Church. Ironically, I've never spoken on this, sub this subject before, preached on it, taught, did in different settings, formats, but I've never preached a message about worship, and I am so excited to bring this to you. I feel it's for today. I feel it's for us, and uh, I'm just excited and honored, honored to be here and preaching today. So um, why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we get started. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your anointed word. I just pray that our ears and our hearts would be receptive, and God, this would just uh, be a powerful word that we can live out until we see you face to face. Thank you for this day and for the freedom we have, for the joy that we have to come together and be in your house together as your family, your bride, your church. We give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So I want to start by just laying a simple foundation um, of a very important principle that we need to keep in our focus, and that is this. God has a love language, and that love language is obedience. There are many ways that we worship God. There are many ways that we show his lordship in our lives, but God's love language is obedience. And what I mean by that is that it's sometimes easy for us to um, put a little more stock in our um, serving in our singing, in our teaching, in our giving, in our tithing. Um, we can, those are all things that we do in response to the word. Amen. Those are good things. We should do those things. But in and of themselves, apart from a surrendered heart and a heart that's passionate to love and obey the voice of God in every area of our life, those things fall short. They never substitute for a heart disposition that says, God, I want to know you, I want to honor you, and I'm going to be, I'm not just going to obey, I'm going to be quick to obey. So that's the basis and the foundation for what we're going to talk about because the context of this message is definitely praise and worship. Our understanding of that, what we do um, in praise and worship personally and corporately. So that's what we're going to look at today, all right? So um, let's just be reminded of that. Our righteousness is because of Jesus. And the things that we do to honor him or serve him, those things, we would quickly fail at those things if we don't come from the surrendered heart. So that's the point that I want to make as we begin. It's a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen? Do you have a decided heart today? 
Because from that decision, our worship flows. From that decision, we learn. We get into the word of God. We learn who he is. We, we understand, we know what he has done. And we draw from that energy the faith to worship him then in our best days and in the days that we think we can't make it through. That's how we gain that strength and that energy. So first, I wanna just look briefly at the benefits, the power that comes through our personal worship, our personal decision to do that. The first thing is worship heals. Worship actually heals us. David is a great role model for this in the scripture. If you've ever read Psalms, some of you probably, we probably have our favorite Psalm or Psalms that we go to in those times of need. And it's because David modeled what it was to get into the presence of God and there before God, give him his fears, his frustration, his disappointments, his how long, oh God, have you ever been there? He gives that to God and he pours it all out. And then we read time after time, we read that next verse, wherever that happens, that next verse, and you can, you can see it in what you're reading. You can feel it in the emotion of that moment. You can feel David arrest that thing and stop it. And it turns, it turns from that pouring out. It turns into a looking up. He turns the corner on it and becomes praise and worship and an even more sincere and even more powerful worship because he has poured out his heart to God. And the amazing thing is David's circumstances weren't changing necessarily. Hardly in any case was the circumstance changing. David had been healed. David had changed. And it's because our worship heals us. Don't ever forget that. It is powerful. It heals us. The next thing is worship advances us. Worship advances us through obstacles and thank God for it. When the children of Israel came to Jericho, the Bible described Jericho as a city that was tightly shut up. It was surrounded, as we know, by an impenetrable wall. And in those trips around that city, marching around on the seventh day, the children of Israel were were commanded on the seventh time around, shout, Now, that wasn't just yell and make noise. This was very intentional. God said a shout of praise the seventh time around, a shout of praise. Sure enough, seventh time around, Israel lifted up their voices. Everyone, everyone in the family, everyone lifted up their voices in a shout of praise. Well, it was just as if that wall had been been, um, pre-wrapped with an explosive... (laughs) And it's like somebody pushed that pump down and that wall came down. They were faced with a wall that wouldn't fall. They were faced by an enemy that wouldn't fold. And it was their praise, their shout of praise to God that brought that wall down. And it can still happen today. The problem, their fears caved to praise. Amen. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be, continually be. I challenge us, church. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
A little bit further down that, in that same psalm, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Can you imagine that? A place where we could be delivered from all our fears. I think sometimes we take the stance where we tell God, we talk to God about our fears. Maybe we should take our fear and turn that face of that thing and make our fears look at our magnificent God. Let's let our fears take a look at who he is. And, and that passage is basically saying, my fears took a look at God and they were calm. That's the word of God to us today. Worship advances us through obstacles. Worship also liberates. I love the story in Acts 16 because Paul and Silas were in prison. They were bound, they were shackled. And at midnight, they made a personal decision. They made a decision to praise God. And the Bible says the foundation of the prison was shaken. The foundation, it shook that prison. And what happened when that happened is that their chains fell off. And not just that, they were free, but the jailer, an unbeliever, gave his heart to God and his entire family. So their freedom brought about liberation for the people who really needed freedom, and that was the jailer and his family. How powerful is our decision to personally Praise God at all times. Amen. No wonder David wrote, oh, magnify. Think about that word. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us, let us exalt his name together. You know what we're really good at? Really, really good at making a big deal about things that just aren't a big deal. <laughs> We're great at that. God is a big deal. We need to magnify him and let some of these other things just go. Just let it go. How does corporate worship build this body of believers. Have you ever thought about it? What does corporate worship, what does engaging in corporate worship do for for us, our church, this body of believers? First of all, it's important when we gather, it's important to have a strong start and we know how to begin. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? Come in with thanksgiving. Walk through the door with thanksgiving. So easy to just walk in how we walk in. After all, we're here, right? (laughs) Don't you love when you ask someone, how how are you? I'm here. I'm sorry, did I ask you where you are? (laughs) I know you're here. How are you? No, no, I get it. But it, it happens to the best of us. We walk through the door however we walk through the door. God says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Whenever you come into his presence, come in with praise. There's so many things, innumerable things we could thank God for. And God says, enter the gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise. And what that does, what that does is it helps prepare our hearts. It prepares our hearts for what we're doing in worship. And we're going to talk about that right now. The enemy knows every single thing I'm saying today about this 
is true. He knows it. He knows it. And it's always his agenda to distract us, to divide us. But today, I am just declaring and joining with you that we're going to stand together. We're going to worship God with passion. We're going to worship him with gratitude. And we're going to see agendas for what they are. But we're going to lift our hearts and our voices all the more. And we're going to give God praise that he's worthy of. Amen. Amen. In 2004, Ron was working on his master's degree, and he was blessed to be in um, a class where Dr. Wayne Lee and his wife, Dr. Sherry Lee, were teaching, and they um, had done their doctoral work on the concept of the church being um, like the body of Christ, being the body of Christ, and they took systems of the human body, and they compared each ministry of the church, each ministry area, to a system of our human body. And it's fast, It's very fascinating. For instance, uh, preaching and teaching. That ministry falls under the spiritual life part of the church, and it was the circulatory system, they said. So, obviously, the system that carries the life to all the parts of the body. Very interesting. Even down to administrative gifts and discipleship gifts, everything had a system that paralleled with that. And so I was a relatively new worship leader at that time. I filled a vacancy um, there where we were pastoring and stepped into that role. And so I was hungry to just glean. And even though I had sung my whole life, been in music ministry, it was different, a different role, different responsibilities and ways of thinking to be a worship leader. And so I was hungry to just get all that I could. And so when I heard them say that the worship ministry of the church is the respiratory system, of the church. I've never thought about worship the same again. It revolutionized the way that I thought about it. It was so, so enlightening to me. And that's what I want to show us today because there's such power in this. So basically, dynamic, spirit-filled worship is to the body of Christ what the respiratory system is to the human body. Now, This makes me feel so smart just to ask you to look at the screen. (laughs) Here we go with a very uh, layman version description of breathing. But basically, as we inhale, everybody do that right now, just inhale. So our lungs expand and fill with oxygen, right? So we know that the whole point is the oxygen is going to go in. It's going to go down into our lungs and go to the outer edges of it where it will be exchanged for carbon dioxide. And the carbon dioxide, we will then exhale. You can let it out. I know you've been holding it the whole time. So So I just uh, began to study this and think about it, that this is what's happening in the body of Christ as we worship. And that... That expanse happens, and I found this so interesting. In between the ribs, because the rib cage has to expand to allow our lungs to expand and take all in what we need, that supply. In between each rib are little muscles that, I'm not kidding you guys, they're called intercostals. (laughs) Well, I love that. I'm a church girl. And I just heard... Pentecostals, like I just heard that. So anyway, um, we actually have interior intercostals and we have exterior intercostals. This is fascinating. And when we inhale, the exterior intercostals pull up our rib cage so it can expand, so our lungs can expand. 
We are fearfully and wonderfully made. When it's time to exhale, the interior intercostals <laughs> pull down and compress, and we can exhale. That blows my mind. But that's what is happening. And when I thought about that, the Holy Spirit said that is exactly what's happening as we worship God together. As a body, as a body, what we are doing when we come in and we come in with thanksgiving and we engage, we're not just reading lyrics off of a, of a screen, we engage our spirit with the spirit of God. And what is happening is we are breathing in the supernatural. We are breathing in the greatness of our God. And when we exhale together, we are exhaling the impurities. We are exhaling the toxic. We are exhaling the useless. And we are exhaling what could destroy, what would, what would not be good, the unhealthy. We are doing that together as a church body. Does that excite anybody in this room besides me? Woo. And now I want us to look at Second Chronicles 20. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Second Chronicles 20 holds an incredible story of one of those scenarios where everything for the people of God just worked very well. On a day where they were faced with a very, very real challenge, a real enemy. Jehoshaphat was king, and he and the children of Israel were facing the fact that the Moabites and the Ammonites had united their efforts and were on their way to make war. Jehoshaphat listened to the intel report, and the Bible says he was shaken and he went to prayer. We could easily just call for the worship team, have an altar call, and say, if that's the only takeaway that we have today, that's it. He was shaken and he went to prayer. When I was studying this the last few weeks, the Lord just, he convicted me in the sweetest way. He said, you know, you spend a lot of time just trying to not look shaken, you miss the point. It's fine to be shaken. We're all shaken at times. It's what you do. It's where you go. It's who you talk to when you're shaken. Ron needs me to be shaken and going to prayer. My kids need to see me be shaken and going to prayer. Generations from now, when my great, great, great grandchildren are in a room and somebody brings up Mama Kelly or whatever my name becomes, <laughs> when they bring up my name, what I want to linger in that atmosphere of their memory is that she was shaken and she went to prayer. Jehoshaphat made a decision that affected so many people. Every leader in this room, every parent in this room, every person in this room, you have someone watching you. When you're shaken, let's go to prayer. Not only did he do that, but he called a nationwide fast. And verse 4 says it was an everybody moment. The entire country of Judah united in seeking God's help. When leadership does it, it's easy for everybody to follow along. It's so important for us. Jehoshaphat joined the big group gathering, and he led out in a prophetic prayer. He was declaring who the God of Israel had always been and still was, and that the people had been brought to this land by him. 
with his promise that as they were met with war or flood or disease or famine or anything, and as they took their place before him in his presence and they prayed out their trouble and their pain to him, he would hear them and he would give them the victory. And so Joseph, Jehoshaphat said, okay, now this here, precisely that, we are here. This is where we are. And we are being chased, pursued by the Ammonites and the Moabites. And in that moment, Jehoshaphat said, neither know we, God, what to do, but our eyes are on you. Again, it's not important that we always have the answer, that we know the thing to say. Our eyes, God, are on you. Our eyes are on you. The second really good thing, that was the first really good thing that happened. The second really good thing that happened was that because there was the activity of God in that situation, because Jehoshaphat had committed himself to, walk, to look at God and to worship him, the Spirit of God moved on a young man in the congregation. His name was Jehaziel. And the Bible says he stood and spoke to the congregation. He said, attention everyone here. Listen to this. This is God's word to us. Don't be afraid. In fact, don't pay any mind to this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Their exact location is the slopes of Ziz. They're climbing them as we speak. You'll meet them at the end of the ravine near the wilderness of Jeruel, but you won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm, Judah and Jerusalem, and watch God's saving work for you take shape. Don't be afraid. Don't waver. March out boldly tomorrow. God is with you. kind of wish I would have been there. I would have liked to have been there. Then Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, knelt down, bowing with his face to the ground. All Jerusalem and, Ju and Judah did the same, and they worshiped. They worshiped. They had not seen the victory yet, but they had seen their God. They had heard his voice, and they worshiped collectively. They breathed in who God was, and they were ready for battle. Do you see it? They inhaled the supernatural. They exhaled their fear. Whew. We're not given many other details about that spontaneous moment of worship, but we do know that when the sun came up, they were up and ready to go. They were ready to march. And Jehoshaphat just simply reaffirmed their trust in God, and he said, we're going to do this. God says, put the worshipers at the front. So he put the worship team at the front, in front of the army, and he said, we're going to go forth worshiping. Now, what they sang was, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever, all the way. I don't know, during that worship time this morning, I, I kind of thought, you know, just as easily they could have sung, he turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He turns seas into highways. He's the only one. He's the only one who can. 
Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And the Bible says that as soon as, the moment, the moment they started it, God sent ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir as they were on their way to attack Judah. The Ammonites and Moabites were so confused, first of all, they took out the men of Seir, Mount Seir. They just wiped them out. They were confused. Doing that, the Bible says they became even more confused, and they turned on each other, and they killed. There wasn't anyone left. They were all killed. God sent that confusion because he told his people that he was going to deliver them, that he was with them. And when the Israelites came up over that ridge with Jehoshaphat, fully expecting to see their enemy, they did all right. <laughs> they saw them all dead, all just laying on the ground. And the only thing that was left for them to do was to walk around and just pick up the spoils, just pick up the goods from a battle that was over before it ever started because there was a people who said, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to put my face to the ground and seek him. I'm going to worship him with this church family. I'm going to worship him as the people of God. And we're going to breathe in the air of God and we're going to exhale our fear and we're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I thought about this even more, my mind raced to the fact that the original name of God in the Hebrew was four consonants. And to even speak this, it was consonants that in the Hebrew alphabet were even meant to be articulated as we do with our teeth, tongue, and lips. It was just more to be breathed. the sound of inhaling and exhaling. The name of our God is tied to the breath that we breathe. The name of our God is tied to the thing that we do the most naturally. Every man or woman that's ever lived people who discount God, people who mock him, people who say he doesn't exist, with the that they are saying that, they are connecting with that living God. The breath of the living God is in me. Those original consonants, yod, hand, Hey, grace. Vav, nail. Hey, grace. The hand of grace nailed in grace. That's our God pursuing us, coming after us, wanting to deliver us, wanting us to know his greatness, wanting us to know his majesty, wanting us to know how far above every name his name really is. That's our God. That's our Yahweh. The Bible says the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Every time we inhale 
and exhale, we are literally making the sound of the name of God. In John 20, Jesus was having his final words with his disciples, and he said to them, he, he was saying, my peace I leave you, not as the world gives, but I leave you my peace. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. And he breathed on them, the Bible says. He breathed on them, and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He did that because he was about to go away, and now his presence was not going to be out here. It's going to be in them. And it was in them because he knew what he had given them to do. He knew the mission that they had to fulfill, and they were no match for it. Just as we stand here today, and in ourselves, we are no match for the mission that God has called us to. Without him, apart from him, the Bible says, we can do nothing. But as we, lit, uh, as we place ourselves in his presence, as we worship him together in unity, look to your left and right. Will you just look to your left and right, to your brothers and sisters? We're family. We're family. And in a context of worship, we are we, are, we go just a step further. We're a respiratory system. And I'm thankful for the Spirit of God that, that Jesus gave us, the Holy Spirit that he sent to be in us, among us, to be our teacher, to be our guide. That same Spirit is the one who brings life. The closer we get to God, the happier we should be. The closer we get to God, the kinder we should be. The closer we get to God, the wiser we should be. That should happen when we get close to God. And that same Spirit is the one who brings life and joy. He brings the capacity for all of those moments of our inadequacies. He brings freedom from the agendas of the weapons formed against us. They will not prosper. Amen. And just like our physical bodies literally run on the supply of oxygen and its distribution through our bodies, so the body of Christ locally and globally operates on inhaling the breath of God by us, his worshipers, the respiratory system, and exhaling of the useless the toxic and the destructive. That's why I want this to go into the atmosphere. We are free to not have to be a room full of preferences because outside of the Spirit of God and our, our eyes on Him, that's what we're reduced to. But with His strength and with His empowerment, we are a system. We are a team. We work together. And we inhale, and that capacity increases. And we can take in the mission of God. We can know what we're supposed to do. And we can know that there's a God who is with us to do it. It's the breathing out of the lesser things to make room for one essential thing. I would like you to stand with me, please, at this time. Several years ago, as you know well now, Ron began experiencing some breathing issues. The first thing that needed to be established, one of the first things, was just that his lung, lungs were operating and functioning as they should. The capacity is there. Our great friend and brilliant doctor, Dr. Spencer Both, established that. And then it was to just point out, identify what the issue really was. And as it turns out, 
There was a narrowing of the airway. So the lungs were good. The capacity was there. The air was there. The restrictors, the restrictions were happening here. Today in the presence of God, I want us to just say, God, we know you're there. We know the air is there to breathe. Maybe there's a restriction. Maybe there's a restrictor that only you know about, and I I want in your presence for you to let me know that. Or just take care of it. As I worship you, I just want you to, to take that away so that the capacity is there even more to breathe you in. I want you to join me here at the front. If you would, right now, if you would just make your way as they sing, as they begin to sing, just make your way to the front. And I want us to end this in a corporate time of worship and experiencing this as a church body. Would you do that now? Come as they sing. Thank you. Yes. today increase our capacity to breathe in your spirit into the life of our church body let the worshipers arise with the high praises of God in our mouths let the wind of the spirit blow in the life of God and let us exhale the impurities and anything that could keep us from being the best that we can be for you. Show us, oh God, where the expanse really is. Take us to higher air. Take us to a higher ground, to a higher place in you, to a new place in you as we worship you. Thank you, oh God. Let us breathe in that air, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you've given us to do. Now, thank you for the power to do it. We inhale your power. We inhale the breath of God so that we can exhale and be all that we need to be. Hallelujah. Let's sing it together. Hallelujah. And all the earth will shout your praise. Sing it out. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Here it is.
going. What my doctor has done for me over time is address the restriction so that I can experience the capacity of the air that is there. The great physician, Jesus Christ, is in this room to deal with the restriction. And as Kelly said, as we worship him, he brings healing he removes the restriction of stress, of worry, of fear. As we worship, He removes the restriction that's keeping you from going forward. See, worship will advance. As we worship, there's a freedom. The restriction of a life-controlling habit is broken by the power of the Holy Spirit today. God, I just pray for everyone in this room that you would address that restriction so that we could experience the impact, the full capacity of your greatness, your glory, the very power of your presence to personally and specifically help us. And then God, as we bring this affirmation of your greatness, we just say as a church that every time we gather we will gather with thanksgiving. We will enter with praise. We will come to declare that you are a mighty God. We will praise your name in this sanctuary. We will declare your mighty acts. We will worship you for your excellent greatness. And as you fill this place with your power, we then, Lord, will bring the mission forward. Come on, everybody, all the earth. To the top of your lungs.
better way to gain fresh perspective and to reorient our hearts to God than the, the gift of worship. And I pray that in your home, from your heart, through your daily life, you're making that place to just allow the presence of God to work in you through the blessing of worship. Thank you, Kelly. Where are you? Thank you so much. What a message. That is a that is a message that shifts our church. Now, next three weeks, we're going to talk vision, and this has us so ready. Walk in this truth. I love you so much. Have the best day, everybody. You're dismissed. One more praise to God. God bless you, everyone.